Hi, this is Monica Olivas. I love running, eating, and sharing the best tips and strategies to help you run your best life. It's time to get inspired, do the work, and be brave so you can chase down your goals. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. Running has changed my life in so many ways. I started a blog 10 years ago to talk about training for one marathon. I never expected to have so much fun, to get faster, for running repeat, to grow so big. And one of the main reasons I love doing this is because I know how much running can change your life. It can help you see yourself in a different way, see yourself as an athlete, realize you're capable of doing hard things. Running gives us the opportunity to set new goals, meet new people, see new places, along with the fact that it is a healthy hobby. I truly love it. And I just watched Skid Row Marathon, a documentary that follows four runners fighting addiction and homelessness as they train for a marathon. I'm really excited to tell you all about it. So let's get started with a warm up. First, we have some breaking running news. This Justin, the LA Marathon finish line is going to be moved. This announcement recently came out and reps from the LA Marathon have updated where the finish line location is going to be. This is a really big deal for a lot of reasons, but leading up to this, the race ended at Santa Monica and really like at the beach, the race was known as, or not known, but One of the catchphrases, one of the things that you would see a lot as a slogan for marketing purposes, I feel like I saw it on signs and shirts, said stadium to the sea because the LA Marathon starts at Dodger Stadium and that is going to stay the same. Most of the course will follow its traditional route, what they're saying, until Brentwood. And then the runners you're going to in Brentwood. I think they say double back. So basically going to flip a B and head to Century City, finishing at the Avenue of the Stars. So the race will still start at the stadium, but it's going to now be known or their slogan, they're switching it up, Stadium to the Stars, which Avenue of the Stars, it's not like it is full on. Hollywood Boulevard, like walk of fame style at all. But I'm understanding that they probably still want to have some shtick, some selling point along those lines. The reason their justification for this is that it'll give them more room around the finish line. And the lack of room has made it hard to have it like one of the things they're saying is that there's going to be more room for elite runners, VIP, but also like family reunion areas and, you know, kind of like a finish line festival situation. I can understand that because the race literally stops at the beach. So to one side of you, to your right side, as you are running to the finish line on your right is the Pacific ocean. And that's awesome. 
right? Like, I love that. It's a little ways down, especially in Santa Monica, because it's um, Santa Monica can be a little cliffy. Is that a word? Now it is. But you're not like right alongside the beach path like you are at some other races or things. But you do truly like end at the beach on to one side is just beach versus with so many races, right? Especially big city races, you're just surrounded by these like high rise buildings on both sides. There is something very cool about it. I think of nothing else. There's something cool psychologically. It's a good way to do a visualization and just picture yourself being pulled by the ocean. And I am saying this because I've specifically, I feel like either I made this on myself or I heard this from someone to do this. Like once you get to the last, like to mile 20, you just picture the ocean pulling you, there's a magnet and it's going to get you to the finish line. I personally, I am partial and why, why should I try to even hide it, right? I was born and raised in Southern California. I have always thought that the LA Marathon is so underrated and I don't understand why. Like it should a thousand percent be in the same category as New York City, Chicago. I don't feel like it is often spoken of in that group. And to prove that this is the fact, those races, so many of these other races are raffles or they sell out right away. That doesn't happen with LA. And I don't understand because the course is awesome. And this is kind of getting back to the news that I think it's a really big deal because I'm definitely partial to the course. I think it is awesome that you start at Dodger Stadium And you run through so many different neighborhoods of LA. It's amazing. Dodger Stadium outside of that neighborhood is very different from making a turn and going through like Chinatown. And then it just, I just think it is the most diverse, colorful, interesting race course you can almost imagine. And I don't think that's ever really been played up enough in marketing because I've I've done some thinking about this because people like to come to LA as tourists to sightsee and towards probably more, I, I wouldn't even say the second half of the course, but you around mile seven or eight, I think, see the Hollywood sign in the distance, you know, you run past man's Chinese theater, you end up like in Santa Monica. It's awesome. You end up at the Pacific ocean. I just think it's an amazing race, an amazing course. You run through Beverly Hills, you run down Rodeo drive. Like it's awesome. And, and then we could hang out cause I'm here. Right. But I don't think it's that big of a deal as a runner running the race because the reality is by the time you get to Santa Monica and by the time you get to actually running with the Pacific Ocean 
on your right, on your right hand side, and you're running down and you see the finish line, I mean, you are at mile 25 of a full marathon in LA that's probably going to be pretty hot. So it's not like you're exactly sipping a frosty Bev and having a vacation time. So I don't think as a runner, it matters that much. I just think it is cool to end a race at the beach. And again, I'm partial to it. Also, I don't know if I ever have mentioned this in the past, but in high school, we had a fundraiser called the March for Hunger, where you would walk the route of the LA Marathon. One of the teachers in our school was a runner and would run the LA Marathon. And basically, we would follow that route and we would walk the race course as part of this fundraiser for school on a different date. Like it was in December, like not surrounded or associated with the race on any level, just like the teacher that organized this fundraiser happened to be a runner who ran the race. And I think he would run the route in front of all of us. And then that we would just like mess around and take all day to walk this course. But one of the things that they told us that our teachers told us as we were getting ready for the fundraiser and I mean, trying, you know, and they're encouraging us to raise money for it and getting everyone excited about it is on this course, over the course of 26.2 miles in LA, you are walking by poverty, by people that are, you know, living several families to one home, obviously selling things on the side of the road to make ends meet. And at some point, you are walking down Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, where some of the richest people in the world live. And that that point could be argued, of course, because some say that like the richest people in the world would not live like full on in Beverly Hills. But you know, these people are wealthy. Like I, I feel like it has to be pronounced differently. The level of wealthy. Um, I'm sorry if that was creepy at all, but I just think that it's notable and a special little course and always awesome to go to the beach, even if it is the Pacific, it's freezing heads up. Anyone that doesn't realize this, it's a freezing ocean, but this is a very LA themed episode because we are going to be talking about Skid Row in LA in the main event. Before we get there, I also wanted to give some quick RER updates. First, I did a What I Heard Today video recently with a recap slash review of three podcasts I listened to that day. I am listening to podcasts and audiobooks constantly. If I'm not making this podcast, I'm listening to someone else's. And... I would love to, I mean, I could literally check in on a regular basis and say, this is, these are the shows I listened to today. I recommend this one. If you like this, not this one, not this one. I actually, I usually know what I like and I'm, I'm a good chooser of podcasts, but I listened to one today that I was like, 
yeah, you can't listen to this while you're running because it was putting me to sleep. Anyways, the video is on IGTV. So that's on my Instagram at running repeat. You can watch it there. I'll also put a link in the show notes if you want to watch it on runeatrepeat.com. Next. Oh, I, I've been having a little fun making different graphics. There is a fun, which pill would you take question on Instagram at running repeat. So if you haven't yet, chime in on which magical pill would you choose out of those? There are six options. And finally, last week I asked you, what do you do when you're listening? What are you doing right now? Are you running? Are you eating, repeating, killing time, walking the dog, walking your cat? I don't know what else people walk, but it seemed like it was about half and half in terms of if you are running right now, or if sometimes you're running, sometimes you are just doing other things, living your life. I still always find this wildly interesting. So if you want to let me know what you're doing right this second, do a screenshot or take a selfie and tag me. Let me know. What are you doing right now? My nieces as a little detour pretend like this is like if you got lost on your run this is a little detour that's a nice way of saying lost right um but it just reminded me my brother sister-in-law and nieces are living with my parents in their house and this all start we all basically moved in the same weekend when the stay-at-home order went into place, it just so happened. This is the timing that happened. It wasn't planned out like this. They sold their place. And while they were looking, they were going to stay with my parents. And then the pandemic hit. And especially, again, being in California, we were the first ones with the stay-home order. So it was hard to look for a place. La-di-da. They have been staying with my parents. I am in the back house. So we are getting to spend a ton of quality time together. But this just reminded me that. And I haven't been able to spend this much time with my nieces in the past at all. The younger one is she just literally last weekend turned three years old. And we have been doing this adventure for, oh my gosh, now how many months? I feel like it has been close to, it's like five months. So we've been able to hang out and a little kid changes a lot over the course of two and from two and a half to three years old in our little interactions. Right. But when she doesn't say, what are you doing? She says, what are you doing here? And she doesn't have an inside voice, which isn't a surprise with my family at all. So she'll like walk into the room in the morning. I have seen this because I am up super early and I'll like already have run or something. And I go into the front house. My dad's making coffee, like half asleep. She'll walk in the room and scream at him. Tata, because that's what she calls him. What are you doing here? Like, and she's saying like, good morning. That's basically her way of saying good morning. But like, just for someone to be screaming at you in your own house, like at 7am, what are you doing here? And I'm just like, you know, God bless them. 
they're the best. Anyways, I think that's it for the update. So tag me at running repeat on Insta and let me know what are you doing here? And now let's get to the main event. Today we're talking about Skid Row Marathon, a documentary that was released in 2017, and it's available to watch a couple of different ways on Amazon Prime, Tubi, I think IMDb. You can watch it for free with ads, or you can rent it or buy it, tons of options. I will put links in the show notes at runeatrepeat.com with ways to watch, and also some links to the organizations I'm going to mention in case anything gets you in the fills and you want some more information, you want to know if and how you can help, all of that will be on the site. Skid Row Marathon is about a running club started at the Midnight Mission on Skid Row in Los Angeles. LA Superior Court Judge Craig Mitchell leads the running club in an effort to connect with people who are homeless, fighting addiction, or coming out of the prison system. And the movie mainly follows four runners, David, Ben, Raphael, and Rebecca. We'll meet them as this recap goes, but I wanted to note a couple things just in case you're not familiar. Skid Row is an area in downtown LA that's really associated with homelessness and poverty. Just the term Skid Row, you think of these homeless neighborhoods, basically. Last year, it was estimated that close to 5,000 people live on the streets there. And I am not sure if... Other cities have a skid row, if this is kind of a common term. I personally thought it was, and I was listening to an interview with the people who made this documentary, and someone asked them that, they asked them about skid row, like they weren't familiar with the term at all. So I thought that I would just kind of note that in case you're not familiar either. And the Midnight Mission is referenced a lot in the movie and also in my notes. This is where all of the runners were living at some point. Most of them are living now. The Skid Row Running Club is synonymous with the Mission Inn. And it's not just a homeless shelter. They call themselves a comprehensive homeless shelter and homeless service provider serving the LA homeless community. And this is from their website that they take an approach that fuses care and compassion with meaningful accountability, providing the structure and resources that people experiencing homelessness truly need to improve their lives. So they offer a lot of services. It's not just a shelter. And There are a lot of people coming out of the prison system, potentially former addicts, you know, people that are just obviously in a very bad place and currently experiencing homelessness. And they have a zero tolerance policy for drugs or alcohol. And so it is very important that these people 
stay clean and don't get pulled back into their addiction because they are not allowed to be at the shelter anymore if that were to happen. So the movie starts with a man running down the empty streets of LA. It's very early in the morning before sunrise. And this turns out to be Judge Craig Mitchell. Most of the runners, if not all of them, they just call him Judge moving forward. And he is the main guy. He's the one that started this running club. He was already a runner before starting it. One of the people that he sentenced to a very long sentence and was staying at the Mission Inn at some point, came to see him, invited him to come see the Mission Inn, see what they were doing there, and ask him how he thought he could help. And he thought that running could help. I mean, I think that this is all very amazing because I am a fan of running. And he also took it a step further, more than just being a running club. He is leading this group to train for and run marathons internationally, which is really amazing. So after the opening shot of him running, we cut to inside a courtroom and he is sentencing a man to 71 years in prison. And the man that he's sentencing, and this is really, I mean, just super powerful stuff because it's really like the first words that are spoken in this movie. He was just running. It was quiet. And there was something very like peaceful, right? And beautiful about it. He's on his morning run in this place that you know is normally like super busy and loud and chaotic. It's obvious that he is running through, you know, a city streets that are currently very quiet. And then you cut to the scene and the man he's sentencing, it starts to cry. It's like so sad, but also there is this conflict, right? Where you realize if he is doing this and this person was found guilty of committing a serious crime. And it just like, that's what it starts with, which I think is good because it's, it's a powerful opening. From there, we go to the midnight mission and we meet David. He says that he came to the mission when he was at his lowest point. He takes the filmmakers to a bridge in LA where he used to live. And he says, I used to call his home. Drugs basically led me to a place where I thought this was okay, that he would crawl into like a little hole and under a bridge and basically sleep there. And he said that one day he woke up and he just, he knew he needed help. David's really likable. I really like him. It's a little side note. And I love these little timestamps. There's a timestamp at 530 running club meeting with the running club. And one of the common themes that is sprinkled here, you're not hit over the head with it, is that running, training for a marathon takes discipline. And 
David kind of is one of the first ones to point out that he didn't really have that in his life before. Like there was not that there wasn't a need that wasn't instilled in him to be disciplined, to do this, to do something like this. Next up, we meet Ben. And they say that Ben started out over 300 pounds when he first met the running group and full on says he waddled at first, but just kept showing up. And he was formerly, he kind of shares some of his backstory. We get some old footage of him. He used to be in a band, but just had a big problem with alcohol and got in trouble for it, got in, got in trouble with the law for it a lot. And just, they don't really go into kind of his specifics of his like criminal history because he does have one of those breathalyzer things to start his car that he shows later. But now he's really trying to turn his life around. He's taking classes. He has, he's, he has the cello that he's like playing and, and walking, rolling down the street, leaving some community college classes. And yeah, he looks as a little side note, like Bob Harper's older brother. Fun fact. Next, we meet Raphael. He went to prison when he was 18 years old. And I think he got out when he was 47. There's a lot of footage of Raphael volunteering, working. This is all recent. He seems like he seems like one of the most recent guys to be out. And because he's on probation, unfortunately, he can't go to the first international marathon with the group. But out of all the four runners that we meet and get to know that they focus on, we learn the most about his criminal history because he literally takes the cameras to where he committed this crime of killing someone. And he is, I don't, I think apologetic isn't even the right word. He takes responsibility and apologizes. And it, it, I think it is, it's hard when someone kills someone else. You don't know the level of like what you should accept, right? You don't want to make something okay. But at the same time, like it does seem like this person is genuinely remorseful, isn't making excuses for it on any level, has done so much time, seeks forgiveness. Like it just, yeah, it's just a very interesting journey to meet him. And also where he was, Um, when he was showing when he took the cameras to where he committed his crime at some point they go to kind of like a little strip mall area that is not far from where I grew up and where I was watching this movie I just thought that I was like there's so much like that feels very literally just location-wise close to home Um, we also meet the judge's wife and she is super cute 
Um, seems like a sweetheart. I wish we saw them interact together, but it's, it's very special, very nice. And it is good to get another perspective on him because he almost would seem too good to be true, but she, she co-signs it. She's like, Nope, he's really awesome. He potentially, you know, this is a form of balance for him because of the things he has to do in his job. There are minimum sentencing requirements. And I watched a few interviews with him as well in preparation for this episode, talking to you guys. And it is like hard for him sometimes, it seems, um, that there are these minimum sentences required of people that are so like 71 years, you know? And he talks about that story. We don't get that in the documentary, but he talks about that in an interview that I listened to. So I thought that was super interesting. But they follow them running a lot. We see them do a local race. It looks like it's kind of a shorter race and it's a fundraiser for the running group because one of the judge's goals is to have them run international races I think he said he was inspired by the Pope, actually, who had a running club. He kind of references this. It's a little bit in passing that, no, the Pope didn't have a running club. The Pope had the would take a group of people that didn't necessarily have the means to a vacation, to go see the ocean, and that it really gives you this perspective and purpose and just like opens up your eyes to like the possibilities of the world. And that's kind of his goal with traveling. So the first race that they go to that is out of the country, they actually only take three runners and they go to Ghana. And it was wildly interesting to see them. And also like the race looks like a very small race. It is not, the roads are not shut down I doubt this is an official certified course. I don't know if there was chip timing. They're running on the side of dirt roads. It looked so rough. It looked very hot, looked very dusty, but all of the sights and sounds looked amazing and fun and life. Just that alone would be life-changing. I thought it was really, really interesting to see this. It was like such, like I said, there was three of them. And the judge runs to run this race in Ghana, which I think is amazing. And so we're in Ghana, race day, 4.30 a.m. Ben's waking up. He says he got about two, three hours of sleep. You know, David's going to pin his bib on his shirt and cut to black. There was a power outage. And they're kind of like, ah, again, like, I guess this had been happening a lot. And I just know I have run a lot of races. I've run a lot of marathons. I've run a ton of races out of state. I've run a race out of the country. Like I, I I should be like super chill. I am super chill all the time. Reminds me of that GIF, but to be in another country getting ready for a race when the time zone and your eating schedule are probably flipped upside down. So who knows how your fueling or hydration has been or sleep, right? 
And now you need to run 26.2 miles in the heat on the other side of the world. And then the power goes out. Like I might have already started crying at that point. I was just like, oh man. But it seemed amazing. And I would a thousand percent be down for that. I really like that Ben says, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. And it was really awesome. They all finish. Ben crosses the finish line and immediately pulls out a cigarette and smokes, which I thought was so funny. And then he's, he says that was the hardest thing ever, which later in the documentary, the judge kind of mentions it in passing. He's like, you know, it would probably be easier for them if they didn't smoke so much, but what are you going to do? Which I thought was kind of funny because it was just like, ah. Eh. And I really like too that David says, after coming here and seeing this, seeing all these people here, seeing kids like playing on garbage and still being happy, I don't think I'll ever complain again, which I really love and I think is super powerful. So then they are back in LA and we meet Rebecca. She grew up in Seattle. She said that when she was just like before she turned 21, tried heroin and cocaine and basically started to do crazy things to maintain her addiction. And it eventually led to hopelessness. She has a son, a little boy, and she said that she was homeless for several years and then ended up in L.A., And she really wants to get back to Seattle. So she's going to school, I think, to be a surgical tech. And yeah, she says she's just trying to like climb out of a hole piece by piece. And she is, she joins the running group. We meet her mom at some point. Her mom is super adorable and very enthusiastic. It's just all very cute. And After the race in Ghana, we get back catching up with David. He's actually leaving the midnight mission. He is going to work at a traditional house. He is an artist and he really wants to focus on his art, have a little bit more space to do that. And yeah, just really work on making a living from selling his art. Now, mixed in with all of this, as we go from runner to runner and to the judge, there are shots of them meeting for runs, running through the streets of LA, these overhead shots of LA, which are beautiful. Um, We also see the Watts Towers and Judge Mitchell talks about that. And I'll put a link about Watts Towers. That will be a whole other tangent. But if you have never heard of it, you should check it out. Check it out. That's how I said that. So that's that. Now we get back to Ben. He is trying to get into the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He's working on his audition. He's getting frustrated. He says he hasn't run in five days. This makes me nervous because I am just kind of waiting for someone to fall off the wagon. I'm not waiting for someone to fall off the wagon, but anytime they start to kind of go down this path where they are like, like Ben says, he hasn't run in five days. I'm like, Oh no, like 
you're not, it's, it's almost less about the running and more about the accountability and consistency and camaraderie, right? Like staying in this group with these people, we are in this together. We are going to persevere, never give up. They do the same thing with David as well, where since, and especially because David moved away and he didn't like move away, away, like Rebecca wants to move to Seattle, but he's no longer staying at the Midnight Mission and just hasn't been coming to run with them anymore. And their next international race is Rome. Judge Mitchell says he specifically chose Rome because of all the art. And he knew that this would really connect with David. And then David just like, seems like he quit the group. And he's just kind of avoiding him for a while. And then finally, David comes to see the judge. And this is what I'm saying that like with Ben not running for five days and then it like David hasn't shown up anymore. I was getting very nervous that no, like stick with us guys, please just something. I also kind of thought too, though, that you know, when everyone's staying at the Mission Inn and they have to get up at who knows what time to meet to run at 530. I mean, yeah, it's easier when there is the people around you potentially living in the same building that are all doing this. But once you move away and you experience sleeping in past 5 a.m., maybe he's like, just shuts down his alarm, turns over. And along the way, we just see more of them living their lives, Ben making his music, working on his audition, where he actually has to have, he has to compose a piece of music and record it and like with musicians. Like I, I feel like it's a small, it's not a, I don't know how big, how many musicians you need to have an orchestra, but he has this let's call it a tiny orchestra in this recording booth to record his originally composed piece of music for his audition to this school in San Francisco. And he's going to find out when they're in Rome, if he gets in, which makes me very nervous. David ends up coming back to the group. Rebecca continues to train and they all get to Rome to run the race. It is pretty awesome. There are other people along the way that we kind of meet more in passing, though we don't get to know them as much as we get to know all of these stories. And it's really awesome to see them sightseeing in Rome. And then on race day, it's raining raining at the start of the race. And I watched this with my mom and she said, at least it's not hot. And I'm like, yeah, but they're from LA, which Rebecca's not. She's from Seattle, but like everyone else, we don't know rain. What is this water falling from the sky? This is so weird. Like this doesn't happen. So they most deaf weren't used to it. And so it kind of, the pressure is on to now have this added challenge. Like I listed all of the other ones when you are doing an international race and like there's the 
jet lag situation, the eating and hydration situation, like all of it, the normal butterflies from a race. There's just a lot. And yeah. Do you want me to spoil it or just tell you what happens? So Ben finds out if he gets into the school. I'm not going to tell you if he does or not. And I will tell you, though, that everyone, because this isn't like a high pressure situation. I think it's more high pressure whether or not someone falls off the wagon. That's life or death. Whether or not you finish a marathon isn't. All 25 of the runners who went with the group finished the race, which is amazing. And I'm just super proud of them. And I, like I said, from the start, (sighs) running is amazing. And traveling for races just can open your eyes to like this. It can give you a reason. I, I mean, I feel like running has given me such a purpose and you don't have to be a professional athlete. You don't have to be, you know, an Olympian for running to be a part of your purpose in life, which I think is super awesome. And along with that, at the end, so they say that all 25 of the runners finished the race, which is awesome. And that the judge plans on doing an international race with the group each year to, and they say next stop, Jerusalem Marathon, which full freaking circle. I have run the Jerusalem Marathon, which I was invited with the media group, thanks to Run It Repeat, which again, I just started because I wanted to run a marathon and because I fell in love with it. And because Run It Repeat grew, I had that opportunity to do so because I would not have in another life. So this just got me so much in the fields and I'm so proud of all of these people. And like I said, I will put links on runningrepeat.com to how you can watch this and also to the Midnight Mission and to the Running Club in case you are compelled to just get more information or see if you can get involved and help. I also know that when I did the... I am a certified running coach through the Roadrunners Club of America. And when I did that in the class, there was a couple of guys. I think there were just guys because there was also there was some girls that were coaches for Girls on the Run, I'm pretty sure. And then there was this group of guys that were coaches for Back on My Feet, which is a similar organization. And I know that they're um, I've heard more about them in different places around the US. So that might be an option too. If you want to see how you can connect with a group like this. And now it's time to stretch. Okay, now let's cool down and take a big deep breath in, hold at the top and release it. And take another big deep breath in. Pay attention to your neck and shoulders right now. And as you release all of that air, release the tension in your neck and shoulders. We're going to do that one more time. Big deep breath in. Hold for a second. And release, just letting go of any stress or tension that you are carrying right now. I hope that you enjoyed this show. 
I hope you had a good time hanging out with me. I hope you had a great run. I hope you have an awesome day. And next up, I am going to be watching The Human Race, which I just came across almost on accident when I was looking for this movie, but it was released in 2019 and it's available on Amazon Prime to rent or buy, or it's free with ads, also available on IMDb, but I will put links in the show notes on runnyrepeat.com. So if you want to watch it along with me and we can chat about it next week, definitely check that out. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a few friends about it. If you don't have any friends, please rate and review. I super, super appreciate it. Have a great run.